Well, we're, we're in a series in James. Um, I hate that I didn't get to preach this last week, but my son, I really am proud of Tyler, how he did it. You guys appreciate that message last week? Yeah, and so I'm very thankful that he was able to do that and deliver that to you, and I, I'm so thankful for that. But today I want to I pick up in chapter 4 of James. Remember, James is a very practical book of wisdom. I love it because it's he gets in, down in, in the nitty-gritty with us, right? He gets down in the weeds with us and where we're living to help us. How many of you have experienced that so far in this, this series? I know I have. It's really been challenging me. And so chapter 4 is no different. We're in chapter 4 today. And let me just say that, that as you're, if you're reading along, you're taking notes, uh, let me challenge you to, to really apply what you're reading, what we're studying because that's where the, the change takes place. And so my prayer is that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart during these messages. You take notes, and then you go home and say, how can I live this out? Amen? So that's my challenge to you. How many of you know God's Word is practical? All right, so let's dig into James chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 1. And boy, he, gets, he, don't, he don't waste any time, right? Watch what he says. What is, what is the causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. Whoa. So already, uh, Mr. James is hitting us where, where it hurts, right? Right in the gut. Amen? And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you, first of all, about a war. And if you're, going to take, if you're taking notes, what I want, to, I want to challenge you is I want, you need to fight the right war. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, there's, how do you know there is a war going on? We don't, wa we don't wage war as the world does, right? But there is a war, and sometimes I think we, we're misdirected in, in what war we need to fight. Okay? And so what James is getting at here is we're fighting wars that we shouldn't really be fighting. Right? We fight each other. We talk about each other. We, we tear each other down. Sometimes it's the people we should love the most that we, we have a war with. And then he gets to the heart of the matter. The reason you're fighting these wars, these misdirected wars, is because your heart's not in the right place. So how many toes have already squished in? Mine were in the whole time I was studying this. And so you know you got to learn which, which war to fight. And so this fighting the right war comes down to you doing a self-examination of your own heart, which is never fun, right? Now, I know this message is probably going to be one of those that uh, you're probably not going to be amen in me a whole lot. That's okay. But this, these are the kind of messages that are necessary for us, especially in the season we find ourselves in, right? And you notice it, you see it, you see these wars on Facebook going back and forth and, and words being said. Listen, the damage that's being done by some of these things that have been said to each other is, is long-reaching. Amen. And so James is telling us we need to get back down to, we need to figure out which war we need to be fighting. And so here's the war I want you to fight. Fight it from within. Right? Make sure that you're fighting the right war. And so I got to looking at this and, and looking at the heart. Now, the, the reality of the heart is that, that some of us are in denial. You know anybody? You ever, you ever tried to talk to somebody about some, something that's very important and it's truthful, and you know you had something to share with them, and they just didn't want to receive it? 
And the reason is because they're in denial. Well, that's an issue. That's the issue here. Because when you start dealing with matters of the heart, people start putting up their, their guard, right? They're putting up walls. Because they really don't want to face the, the truth and the reality about their own heart. And so it's so much easier for me to point at you, Ron, and see your flaws and war with you instead of doing the inward war of working in my own heart. And the Bible's very clear about our heart. Now, this is the part that, that you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a pretty dark picture for you, but there's good news at the end. Amen? So can you, can you hang in with me? And so here's what, here's what I, I will say. The heart is very evil. Jeremiah said it. He said the heart is wicked. Amen. And you've heard people say this. Well, trust your heart. That is terrible advice. Amen. It's terrible advice. I hear it on movies. I hear it on TV all the time. Well, just trust your heart. Man, that's bad. It's terrible. Because the heart is deceitful. In other words, the heart is in denial. So I got to looking at Isaiah 6. This is so funny because I did not, had not planned this in my message until this morning. I was praying and, and, and doing my devotion, and I, and I came across Isaiah chapter 6. And I want to read this to you because this, this starts painting a picture of where we are. Watch this. Let's, let's read this together. Isaiah chapter 6. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending to him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, watch this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. So God is holy, amen? Now watch Isaiah's response. Their voices shook the temple to the foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. Now we're talking about Isaiah, right? The one that God used to declare prophecy after prophecy concerning the children of Israel, right? And watch what he says. I am a sinful man. I have, what kind of lips? Filthy lips. And I live among of people with filthy lips. In other words, that's us, right? Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Now watch what God does. Then one of the seraphim flew to him with burning coal, and he had taken it from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, watch this, see this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Do you see the beautiful picture of redemption even in the Old Testament? But the part I want to focus on right now is the fact that Isaiah knew something that you and I may be in denial of. Our hearts are evil. And something has to be done about it. Amen? Are anybody in denial in here? Pastor, I'm not that bad. I'm a good guy. I'm a good gal. Even when you're witnessing to people on the street, if you, tell, you talk to people about the Lord, you know what they'll tell you? I'm not that bad of a person. Anybody ever heard that? I, don't, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't robbed any banks lately. But the truth is, the heart is evil. Maybe you not, have not done that. But maybe you have given somebody down the road and just ripped them to shreds with what you said to them. 
which according to Jesus is just as bad. <laughs> I knew this wouldn't be popular. It's okay. What did Jesus say? He said, if you look after a woman to lust after her, you're committing adultery. Even though you may ne have never carried through with the act, you're committing adultery. What's he getting at? He's getting at the heart of the issue. He said, if you hate your brother without a cause, you're guilty of murder. Woo, pastor, you are put, this is, this is bad. I'm trying to give you a clear picture of this war that's going on in your own heart and how to fight it. Here's what he said in Matthew 15, 19. Jesus said this. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. And so we got to start fighting this war from the inside out. Amen? Paul, he understood, right? If you ever, if you ever read Romans 7, you'll know the, the struggle, right? The fight that we're in. The things I want to do, I don't do. Anybody ever read that? So there is a war going on, and the fight that we have to fight is from within. And so the, the, the truth is, if we fight, the, if we use and let, allow the Holy Spirit to fight this war for us, if we surrender to His Lordship, if we give our heart to Christ, then we can win this battle of our heart. Amen. So this is, this is where we are right now. We're fighting a battle, but you've got to choose the right fight. Number two, true, choose your friends wisely. Watch what he says in verse four. You adulterers. Wow, that's a good way to start, right? You don't pull any punches. <laughs> you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. Look at that. And he gives, watch this. This is the part that you need to catch on to. He gives grace generously. Are you glad for that this morning? As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Isn't that great? And so when I, ask, when I say choose your friends wisely, what I'm meaning is there's a, there's a d direct distinction between the worldview, the, the systems, the value systems of the world, and the value systems of God. How many of you can realize that? All you got to do is watch some TV. All you got to do is hang out with some people who don't know the Lord very well, and you'll see a difference in the value system. So the value system of the world says, what does it say? Hey, get what, get what you can, right? Look out for number one. You're the, you're, you're, it's all about you. Self-sufficiency. You realize this is the, the problem is that if you adopt the value system of the world, you know what you're saying to God? I don't need you. I'm in control. Now you realize this is, this is what the enemy is doing. He has deceived people to the fact where they think they can, they can be self-sufficient. They think they can handle things on their own. That's why you have so much atheistic worldviews that are being taught. Why? Because if God's not in the picture, who's God? If there's no God, then guess who can be God? 
me. The problem with that is you're not in control. There is some, again, did I mention that we can be in denial? The truth is, and hopefully COVID-19 has been really clear for you that you're not really in control. So you got to choose your friends wisely. Now, some of you say, well, you know, God, God doesn't want me to do this and this and this and this because he just wants to control me and he, wants to be, he just wants to kill all my fun. That's not true. So what this all boils down to is, if we'll say, you know what, God, I really do trust you that you have my best interest in mind, that you maybe, maybe you are all wise and all powerful and all knowing and all sufficient. Can I go on? If I'll just acknowledge that God, this God that's in control of everything, who spoke the world to existence just with the breath of his mouth, can handle my situation and doesn't want me walking around uh, you know, depressed all the time. And what does he want? John 10.10 10 is his vision for you. What does it say? I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. How many of you really believe that's what God wants for you? Do you really believe it? Because here's the thing. Some of you are in denial about that. You know why? Because you've said, how could God love somebody like me? How could God love a person who's done the things that I've done? There's no way that he has full life in store for me. He's mad at me. That's not true, folks. He wants to be your friend. As a matter of fact, if you look at it, it says, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants or slaves. I call you friend. So who better to, to, to submit your life to and give your life to than the one who holds the planets in his hands? The one who formed the stars and laid it on its foundation, the earth, all these things. Who better to give your life to than the one who can do, who owns it all? Amen. So choose your friends wisely because being a friend of God leads to a full life in God. But God's system is different, right? God's system is, is marked by humility. Is that right? And, you know, humility, we, we, we established that a few weeks ago. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, folks. Amen. It's thinking of yourself less. So if I'm not thinking of, my, of myself as much, who am I thinking about? Yeah, Jesus, but also other people. Remember who we were warring again, against in, in the early passages, right? We said we need to fight the right war. If we're thinking about ourselves less, guess what? The wars with other people decrease. Why? Because I've got their best interest in mind. I see them the way God sees them. Created in the image of God, loved by God, valued by God. See, this is, this is the, the weird thing about this. Maybe the, what, what word am I looking for? The, just the, the I'm, trying, I'm having trouble forming the words, but here, here, this, this, let me explain it to you then. So here it is. We've already established that our hearts are wicked and evil, right? That out of our hearts come murder and adultery and all those things. And yet... God loves us. And yet God saw in us value enough to put on human flesh and to walk this earth sinless 
and become the supreme sacrifice for your sins and mine. That blows my mind. Does it, does it blow anybody else's mind? That as sinful as I am, as dark as my heart has become or can be without Christ, that his grace, is, as a matter of fact, it says he gives us more grace. Amen? He gives it generously. Why? Because all along, you know what he wanted? He wanted you. He wants to be your friend. He wants to, to guide your life to full life in him. I get it, folks. If you've, if you've lived in, if you've been around church any length of time, some of you have probably gotten some, some pretty bad teaching, right? You were told over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, how bad you were, how bad you were, how bad you were. Okay, yeah, let's get that. We got that settled already. We're bad, right? But there had to be some value and worth to you or Christ wouldn't have come. Choose your friends wisely. If you make your friendship with the world, guess what? You're adopting the world's system of selfishness, of greed, of all those things, all that ambition. But if you adopt the system of God, you're adopting humility, you're adopting full life in Him. How many want that trade-off? I do. Our sufficiency is not in ourselves. Our sufficiency is in Christ. Remember what we said in Ephesians chapter 1, that in Christ we're deeply loved. Amen? We're fully pleasing. We're totally accepted and complete in Him. That's what you get when you make friendship with God as opposed to choosing friendship with the world. Is this helping anybody today? I want to be a friend of God. How many would say that with me? I want to be a friend of God. Is it possible? Absolutely it is. Through Christ. Number three. The key to winning this war that we, we talked about, right, is submission to God. That's the key. Watch what he says in, well, we read verse 7. Let's read verse 7 again. So humble yourselves before God. Or submit yourself. One, one translation does say submit yourself, right? Submit yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Here's what I love about, um, and let's, let's read it and then I'll talk about that. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Isn't that great? Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between what? God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before who? And what, what will he do? He will lift you up in honor. So the key to winning this battle is submission. Not a popular word in our culture. Right? It has a negative connotation. Would you agree? You know why? It's the same worldview. You, nobody can tell me what to do. I'm my own person. I'm my own God. And so if I'm in control, I don't need you telling me what to do. So it's the opposite of what really should happen. So submission is, is not about, it's not negative at all. All it is is acknowledging that there's somebody better and greater than I am who holds more knowledge than I do, who holds more power than I do, who can control things better than I do. Amen. And so what I'll do is I'll submit to God because 
I know what he can do. I know who he is. And you notice it says resist the devil. So James really gives us a formula to walk out of the darkness that's in our heart, that war with other people into a life that God wants for us. Do you see it? But it first comes with acknowledging our heart. There has to be an awareness. There has to be, we have to quit denying it and accept it. This is where we are. This is our condition. But there's good news. You don't have to stay in that condition. Amen. And so here's what he says. He says to, to basically what he's saying is, is we need to grieve over our sin. Now you notice I didn't say wallow. There's a difference. Right? Grieving over your sin means you're acknowledging it. You're taking the blinders off and you acknowledge, okay, yeah, yeah, it's bad. But grieving doesn't last forever or shouldn't, right, over our sin. So here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from the sin and results in salvation. Isn't that great? There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. In other words, there is a godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow. Amen? The worldly sorrow says, I'm sorry I got caught. Right? The godly sorrow says, I'm changing direction. The godly sorrow says, I'm, I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to give Him control. I'm going to let Him rule my life. Y'all see the difference? Again, we're, we're declaring this, this difference in the world system and, the, and God's system. This is all being bared out here. So what I say is, this kind of sorrow that James is describing in James chapter 4 is this godly sorrow that Paul talks about. What does it lead to? What does godly sorrow lead to? Well, it leads to repentance. It leads to a change. Watch what Paul says in Romans 2.4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Anybody glad for that? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? So it's the kindness of God. It's His love for us that leads us to repentance. That's why, and if you do this, I'm not, I'm not bashing you. That's why I believe that the best way to witness to somebody is not to hold a sign up on the screen corner telling people they're going to hell. The best witness is God loves you. He's shown His kindness to you. He went to great lengths to prove it to you, and He died for you because it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance does that make sense to anybody so as we're looking at this the key to winning this war is submitting to God starting with godly sorrow now you notice let me just mention this this whole book is written to the church you realize that right it's not written to sinners. It's written to the church. If you read verse 1 of chapter 1, it says, to the churches or to the, the people of God scattered throughout. So, obviously, 
There can be issues with our own heart even after we've come to faith in Christ. So what we've got to do is continually fight the war. And the war is not fought alone. If you submit to God, if you let him have control of your life, what was that next phrase? It says, resist the devil and he will flee. In other words, your most powerful weapon in this war is submission to God. Give him your life. We used to sing a song, come unto Jesus. You guys remember that? Give him your heart today. That's what he's saying. That's what he wants for us. And so we painted this picture that our hearts are dark and without Christ we're in trouble. We've said that we can make friendship with God and that'll, that'll lead to full life in him. We've said that winning this war, the key to it is surrender and submission to God. But here's what I want to kind of wrap this up with. The more we realize how dark our hearts are the more we appreciate the grace of God. Can I say that one more time? The more we realize how dark our hearts are, the more we appreciate the grace of God. Is anybody thankful for the grace of God? That His grace, come on, we could get a better hand clap than that. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's why you know, that old song that all of us love. And we sing amazing grace. Notice the, notice the adjective. What kind of grace? Amazing. What does that word amazing mean? Better than you can imagine? More powerful than you can imagine? Is anybody, here's, here's the thing, folks. All of us, now some of you have been following Jesus for a long time, and maybe you've gotten past this idea that your heart was dark and, and what God has done for you, what God is calling us all back to is an appreciation for where God has brought us. It's a thing called grace. Lord, help us to remember where you brought us. What's your testimony this morning? Where were you before Jesus? Anybody thankful for the grace of God this morning? Can we take just a minute right now to thank Him for His grace? God, thank you. Thank you that you love me despite me. Despite my wicked, evil heart. Thank you that you've made a way. That's why I love that second song we sang today. You made a way. The cross is the way, folks. The empty tomb is the way. It's the only way. So if you're taking notes, keys to victory here over this war. Number one, seek God. Right? Seek Him. How do you do that? What does it look like to seek God? Chase him with all your heart. Get on your knees. Here's what I remember about a message I preached about a year or so ago. That in the garden, there were three realities in the Garden of Eden. Number one, Adam and Eve have perfect fellowship with God. Would you agree? Before the fall, the Bible says that God walked with them in the cool of the day. Number two, they had perfect provision 
didn't they? They didn't have any need for anything. Everything they needed was right in front of them. And then lastly, they had perfect health. So all of that was messed up in the, in the, with the fall. But I'm here to tell you, Christ came to restore all of that back to you. What's your, what's your, what's your, your job? Seek Him. Submit to Him. Amen? Number two, humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. What does it say? He'll lift you up. He'll lift you up in honor. Do you want that promotion in your job? Do you want to be seen about, with, with, by your family in a different light? Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Number three, receive His grace. That is pretty simple, huh? Not easy all the time, but simple. Would you stand this morning? Here's what I'd like to do. I'm praying that this message has challenged you in some way. If you're in Christ, you've been in Christ a long time, I hope it's caused you to rethink and to and remember where Christ brought you. What is that going to elicit? That's going to elicit some thanksgiving, right? Some gratitude for what Christ has done. Those of you that have just found Christ, maybe you haven't been a Christian very long, you realize you're still in that mode of, God, thank you that you saved a wretch like me. Anybody still in that, in that mode? And then if you've not received Christ, if this message is, if you've heard this message, you realize how dark your heart is and that you can't fix yourself. You need him. So here's my plea today. What are you going to do with his grace? What are you going to do with his cross? What are you going to do with his willingness? Even though you were dead in your trespasses, even though your heart was dark, he still came. He still loved you. Romans 5, 8, he commended his love toward you. While you were still sinning. Can you believe that? Christ came and died for you. Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless. This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message.